City Church in Over the Rhine is cultivating the kind of family Jesus introduced to the world in the city of Cincinnati. We're glad you're choosing to listen to a sermon from our weekly service. We would love to meet you. Visit us on Instagram or at citychurchotr.com. Enjoy. Well, good morning and Happy New Year, City Church. I saw a couple new people downstairs. If we haven't met yet, my name is uh, Rob, and I am the associate pastor here at City Church. Um, A little bit new to the team, been here since October, and I'm just excited uh, to bring the word uh, to you guys today to share something near and dear on my heart. We're going to talk about strongholds today, and specifically, um, I get to nerd out a little bit because uh, I have a counseling degree, so I love this, so we get to break down the anatomy of a stronghold. I like breaking things down. Anybody like that? Like, just like, okay, let's break it down some more. Let's break it down some more. Okay, I'm weird. I'm the only one that likes that. Okay, but that's how I'm wired, and I think when you get to the root of things, that's when the real healing happens. Amen? Amen. Who came into... The new year with some goals and some New Year's resolutions. Can I see some hands? All right. All right. Some of you are just so perfect that you just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to pick up some bad habits. You guys are like, I'm going to start smoking cigarettes. Let's try that out. I'm just going to start littering. That's my new thing because I'm so perfect. I got to pick up some bad habits. You know what? I'm just going to not pay taxes. Let's see how that works. That's going to be my new habit for this year. <laughs> Um, no, everybody comes into the new year with the new year, new you. You want to change something for the better. My question for you is, have you ever tried to change something in your life? And the harder you tried to change it, the worse it got. The harder you worked on it, the worse it got for you. Guys, that could very well be a stronghold. Now, I have a, a simple dictionary stronghold definition that I kind of altered a little bit to fit my, um, my preaching. Uh, a stronghold in war and battle is a place that has been fortified. Everybody say fortified. It has been fortified to protect itself from attack. In life, a stronghold in life is a place where a belief is defended. Everybody say defended. It's where a belief is defended. In battle, when the enemy has a stronghold, it's what's keeping the other side from victory. It's impenetrable. Ooh, I love that word. Can y'all say impenetrable? Impenetrable. I love that word. In other words, this battle will be over once we get through that stronghold. In life, a stronghold is when you believe a lie, and when someone defends a lie that they are believing, how many know that we would call that bondage? When you try to eat healthy, here come those cravings. When you try to spend more time reading the Bible and praying, here come those distracting thoughts. When you start trying to save and spend less, here comes that clearance sale. (laughs) Because how many know like 70% off is like free? It's like You're leaving money on the table if you don't buy something if it's 70% off. That's my philosophy anyways. Don't come to me for financial advice. Um, I'll help you make some poor decisions. (laughs) When you stop trying to be angry, all of a sudden you find yourself just more angry. 
Um, here's some low-hanging fruit. When you try to quit sex, unhealthy sex outside of marriage, sex in marriage is good. We're, we're about that. Drugs, alcohol. Um, when you try to save, when you try to change something uh, behaviorally, uh, cognitively, or emotionally, we find ourselves bumping up against something. Right? Whenever you try to make this change in your life that has to do with your behavior or your emotions or cognitively, you find yourself bumping up against something in your life. And here's what I'm proposing to you is, could it be that there's a part of your soul that isn't actually surrendered? If there was a piece of your soul that is unsurrendered, we would call that a stronghold. Um... It's not always a bad habit that people are trying to change. Sometimes it's just this defense or that has, I would say, a comfort. Sometimes it's a comfort. Um, and this comfort is helping you process your pain. So sometimes that thing could be a positive thing like busyness or working out. And you don't even really know that that's a comfort that you're doing to try to help you process the pain. Um, a lot of times people, when, when they're going through this stronghold, um, they have something bad that happens to them and it creates this pain or trauma and then something else happens in, in their response that makes it keep happening again. It makes me think of my dear, wonderful mom. Uh, my wonderful mom is a beautiful lady. She is half Native American, half white, and she's got dark skin, but she's got five siblings, but she's the darkest of her five siblings. And she's in her 60s, and she grew up in a time where there was a lot of racism around. And so with her and her light siblings, she was the darkest one, and so people would stare at her all the time. And so my mom kind of grew up with this chip on her shoulder of like, you know, don't, don't stare at me. I don't, I, don't, I don't like being stared at. And by the way, my mom is super tough. <laughs> like if I have any toughness in me, it did not come from my dad. My dad plays the saxophone. He listens to jazz. He's got jokes. <laughs> my mom will fight you. <laughs> and so my mom is the type of person where you stare at her. She's like, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I'm like, mom, that's a mirror. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> someone could be staring at my mom because she's very pretty or because they like her hair or because they like her outfit, but because something has been woven into her brain, there's this groove in her brain about people staring at her that she doesn't like. She has this instant reaction uh, to when people stare at her. I bounced around a lot. Um, I lived with a lot of people in my family, uh, but I spent most of my time with my grandma. And I just have to pause to honor my grandma because she was like my rock. I love her, she was like a mom and a dad to me. And she was also a tough lady, and she like worked at J.C. Penney's for like 35 years, and uh, uh, she would she would come home. I would see her walking home from the bus stop, and she was just, <laughs> she was this tough lady. She had a little pencil skirt on, and she had the pantyhose and the tenny runners. Y'all know what I'm talking about the tenny runners with the little ball hanging off the sock because she would change out of her pumps into her tenny runners under the bus, and she'd just come home and she'd just be walking down the street smoking a cool. I love my granny. She passed away a few years ago. She was uh, everything to me. She was a big deal 
in my life, but my grandma and most of my family are not Christian. Uh, Most of my extended, extended family are not believers, so we don't have the same family values. Now, I got saved as an adult, and my kids were, I had one on the way. I had four kids, or three kids and one on the way. And so I got saved as an adult, 27 years old. And a couple years after I got saved, we were all at Granny's house, because Granny's house was where we all congregated and gathered up for all the functions, the family events. And there was this movie out at the time, this movie series that was very popular amongst people and little kids. It, it kind of rhymed with Schmary Schmatter. <laughs> Shmeri Schmatter. I don't want to say it in church because, you know, I'm going to talk about that witchcraft. Um, and the church that I was involved in, we didn't, we didn't fool with Shmeri Schmatter. We didn't, we didn't say it. <laughs> our kids didn't watch it. We were taught not to let our kids watch that. And so, you know, me being the new, brand new Christian and just the good dad, I was like, yeah, we don't watch, we don't watch that Shmeri Schmatter stuff. We don't do that. Well, we were over at my grandma's house, all the kids over there, all the cousins, and lo and behold, they're watching Shmeri Schmatter. And uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, no, no, my kids aren't watching it. I was like, put my foot down. Like, no, we're not, my, we don't do that. And everyone's like getting on me. They're like, what the heck's the matter with you? It's just a movie. It's just a movie. What's wrong with you, man? And um, I was tripping. And um, just for the record, I've, I've repented. But um, in case you're wondering, I'm not judging you if you let your kid watch Shmeri Schmatter. Just... Maybe not be as saved as me. But um, so my, my family's just, they're just getting on me. What the heck's the matter with you? And nobody's got my back. My granny's outside and uh, smoking a cool. And uh, I go to talk to my granny because I'm like, I'm her favorite. You know, she's, she's going to have my back, right? So I go out to her. I'm like, granny, I'm like everyone's on my case just because I won't let my kids watch that devil-worshipping movie. And, uh, <laughs> and she takes one drag of her cigarette. She goes... Well, if you're raising such godly kids, then why do they fight so much? Ow. Dang. I told you she was tough. And just like that, a stronghold was created in my heart. If you're raising such godly kids, then why do they fight all the time? So in my heart, I started to believe that we couldn't be a godly family if my four boys, I know, under six years old, were fighting with each other. Crazy, right? And I figured I have to change that. Now, the biblical definition for a stronghold is found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And it says this, For although we live in the flesh... We do not wage war against the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of what? Strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Other translations uh, for every proud thing and lofty argument are pretension. Pretension. So in other words, a false thing raised up against the knowledge of God or against knowing God and his ways. It could be asserting something maybe without even knowing all the facts. Like 
If you ever see somebody driving down the road and they cross the center line, you might think, oh my gosh, they're probably texting or maybe they're drunk or, you know, they're just somehow distracted and they cross the center line. And then you get up a little further and you see, oh, they were actually swerving out of the way of a dog or a deer. And you're like, oh, they're a kind person. See, before you had this pretension, you had this thought, but now you have more information and you know the truth. You see, for me, Granny was a big deal when she said that. When she said that to me, why do your kids fight all the time then? It, it, it tore me up. You know, I thought my witness is ruined because <laughs> I was a new Christian and I believed that my kids could never fight. And every time they did, I felt like a failure as a dad. Now, what I found out was that just because I'm saved doesn't mean that I can't be deceived. Just because you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are a Christian, you tithe, you show up to serve Saturday, (laughs) you do all the things, that doesn't mean that you can't be deceived. We might know that bad things can happen to good people, but did you know that even as a believer, you can believe something about God that isn't true? And if that belief is embedded in your soul, that will in turn affect your reality. Amen? I want to break down the anatomy of a stronghold today to show you how our enemy uses strongholds to keep us in bondage. Now, I've got good news for you and bad news for you. The bad news is you can't fix this. I know. You can't can't do anything about this. The good news is you're not even supposed to. Let's get into it. A stronghold, this is going to be my first stronghold slide. Our stronghold starts with a negative or traumatic event. There it is. This is our stronghold. Our stronghold starts with a negative or traumatic event. This event could look like a lot of things. It could look like maybe you were bullied. Maybe your parents got divorced when you were young or when you were old. Um, Maybe you had a parent abandon the family. Uh, Maybe you had a spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend that was unfaithful. Maybe you got fired from a job unjustly, or you just had a boss that treated you poorly. Maybe you were rejected by somebody that you respected and looked up to, and and they rejected you. Um, It could be something physical like a car accident. When we experience physical trauma, research shows that our bodies have a memory of it. Uh, like, for instance, I got in an accident when I was 16, and I was listening to a song on, on the CD player when, when I got in an accident, and every time I hear that song, it reminds me of that accident. And so that trauma could be stored in my body, and my body could react to that song when I hear it. Sometimes that negative event or hurt happened at a church, and the person who was supposed to shepherd you didn't care you very well. All of this creates pain. And what pain does is pain sets the table to serve us lies. Pain is like an awful waiter (laughs) that can set the table for us to to serve us up lies. Um, When we experience pain, there's three voices that want to help us make sense of it. There's God, there's our enemy, and there's ourselves. So the first thing is an event. We have an event, a negative event. And then the next thing in our 
anatomy of a stronghold is a belief. The event causes a belief. And this is where everything really starts. This is where we are told a lie about ourselves. Our belief system is like a contact lens that covers our heart. And like a contact lens, we're constantly looking through it, but we're rarely looking at them. You guys catch that? We look through contact lenses, but we don't inspect them. So um, this belief is like a contact lens that covers our heart, and this contact lens can pick up things. It can pick up things that aren't true. And so it can get filled with arguments and proud things that are raised up against God. That affects what we believe about God, and it affects what we believe about others. Sometimes we have a lie that's something that we inherited. Um, on my dad's side of the family, they truly believe that they're cursed, and they would say that. Well, we're just a cursed family. Nothing good ever happens to us. Anybody ever hear something like that in their family? Well, you know, uh, everybody gets divorced in this family. You know, um, this is how things work. Uh, just good things just don't happen for us. Um, sometimes it's a lie that you inherit, but usually it's a lie that we embrace. Something like, I'll always be single. My wife will never respect me. My kids don't really love me. My parents don't really care. Um, you ever hear a lady say, I just don't get along with other women. I just, being women just don't get along. And that's not the way that God designed us to work, you know? You know, or you see, you have a friend who, when he gets a girlfriend, he disappears because that becomes his only friend. Or the guy who's married who has no community outside of his marriage and his kids because God created us to be in community. Maybe there's a stronghold there. Maybe there's a lie that they believed about themselves that is preventing them from having healthy relationships. Now, when someone says something or something happens that reminds you of that event, you go to a defense. Now, I wanted to put comfort here as well. This could be defense or comfort, but it's, it's mainly defense. Um, I'll talk about both. We develop these behaviors or habits in order to avoid the pain of the lies that we believed. So sometimes the defense looks like anger. Maybe you were intimidated somewhere along the line of life. You were intimidated and made to feel small. And so you're hurting from this open wound in your life, so you preemptively hurt others first. You're angry and you become aggressive. Um, maybe this defense looks like control. Because somebody bullied you, you have this false idea that control is what you need to feel good, and that can be disguised as trying to control others, right? Here's one that hits close to home for me. Um, maybe it's humor. Maybe it's sarcasm. If you ever know somebody that is just like, hey, I mean, they're funny, right? They got jokes. But if they can never be serious, if they can never handle a serious moment without a joke, without a barb, without sarcasm, then it may be a defense. It may be covering up some pain that they're dealing with. Um, maybe you're untrusting. You were betrayed, and you never want to feel that way again, so you become standoffish, never knowing anyone fully and never fully being known. And then, of course, there's medication. There's drugs, alcohol, um, sex outside the marriage. You use these to comfort yourself and numb the pain. 
this is usually the thing that we come into the new year trying to change, right? This is usually the thing right here at the defense. This is where we come in and we say, here's my problem. The problem is here. I need to stop drinking. I need to stop doing drugs. I need to stop the bad habit. I need to stop the poor behavior. And this is the area that we try to focus on. We'll come back to that. This defense leads to a reaction. This is where others are involved. So you're dealing with this offense. The way others react to your defense a lot of times reproduces the event or the negative experience. We would call this circular causality. Circular causality. When we get angry, someone will respond in anger, which will cause us to fight with them some more. When we become controlling, especially with our kids or our spouse, it causes people to pull away, which we perceive as a negative thing, which leaves us grasping for more control. You guys see how this is starting to work? When you're untrusting, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're constantly looking for ways to kind of preemptively sabotage the relationship because you're so untrusting and it causes the thing to happen again and again. People might pull away from you and it might validate your, your feelings and your thoughts and your fears that people will never stay, they'll never get close to me. The reaction leads to the event happening over and over again. But everything wrong in our life starts with a lie. Um, I was going to read Genesis 3, but for sake of time, I will give you the Rob G. version. <laughs> um, if you're uh, doing a Bible reading plan with us, you probably read uh, Genesis 3 already this week. Hopefully, you good Bible scholars, you. And uh, in Genesis 3 is the fall of man. And the Rob G. version is this. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They're chilling, naked with God. Everything's cool. It's not weird at all. That's, that's how intimate they are. They're just rolling around naked with God. Everything's good. I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> Shows how intimate they were. They're all good. Everything is good. God's like, hey, it's cool. Just don't eat that tree. And he's like, cool, don't eat that tree. Then Satan comes along. He's like, why don't you try a bite of that tree? He's like, God said, don't do it. Satan's like, word? She's like, yeah, word. We can't eat the tree. And uh, Satan's like, okay. He's like, well, why not? And she's like, I don't know. God says, and Satan's like, oh, I know. God told you you would die, but you're not going to die. I know what it is. I heard God talking to some angels, and he said, if they eat the tree, they're going to be like me. And so we can't have a whole bunch of people walking around trying to be like me. So, you know, that's, that's really what it is. You won't die, though. You won't die. You'll just be like God. And he's like, word? And he's like, yeah. And he was like, I thought he was a good, good father. That's, that's the Rob G version. So they eat the tree. They eat off the tree, and everything changes. Um, when they eat off the tree, they unplug from the source of life, who is God, and they plug back into themselves. Catch that? They unplug from God, and they became self-source, and they ate from the tree. They were deceived. Back to my stronghold. I believed in order to be a godly family that my family with four sons under the age of six couldn't fight with each other. And the lie that I believed led me to develop a defense. I became more strict and more controlling. 
How many know that uh, the reaction to that defense was not compliance? <laughs> it was not compliance. As a matter of fact, it probably led to some rebellion in my kids. And it actually disconnected my heart from their heart, which caused more negative events to happen, more negative experiences to happen, and around and around we go. Now, eventually, I learned that my four sons are very normal. It is very normal for uh, four boys under the age of six to fight, or even under the age of 23 to 18, (laughs) to uh, get into it with each other. But in this revelation, I noticed that my stronghold began with a question. And the question was this, if your kids are so godly, then why do they fight all the time? If then, if then, if then is sneaky, negative self-talk, very sneaky. And if then negative self-talk is a symptom of a stronghold. It sounds like this. You may have said this to yourself. If I was a good parent, then my kids wouldn't be failing. Um, If I was a good husband, then my wife would respect me more. Um, If I was a good wife, then my husband would want to spend more time with me. If I was a good son or daughter, then my parents wouldn't have got a divorce or they wouldn't have left. Can I tell you guys something? None of this is the language of God. None of it is the language of God. And Jesus knew a little something about this, and he shows us how to respond to these lies. In Matthew 4, 1 through 4, it says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, if, you guys catch that? If you're the Son of God then why don't you make some food for yourself and start cooking? If you're the son of God, then do something about it. If you're the son of God, then you wouldn't have to go through this right now, right? You can be a good dad and have bad things happen. You can be a good wife and have bad things happen. You can be a good son or daughter and have bad things happen. But the enemy will want to use those circumstances to say, well, if you were just this, then that. I love what Jesus says. He answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the first Adam, Adam, believed a lie. The last Adam, Jesus, I don't know if you know that. Jesus is referred to as the last Adam in the Bible. The last Adam stayed plugged into the source of life. And then he died and was resurrected so that we could remain plugged in to the source of life. We don't live on food. We don't live on good circumstances. We don't live on our kids' accomplishments or failures. We don't live on our salary or status. How many know that here at City Church, we live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God? That was a great time to say amen. I hope y'all would. So I've got two points, and I'm going to try to breeze through these real quick because I want to get to this activation. Point number one is this. We need revelation, not information. We need revelation and not 
information. John 8, 32 says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, if you let the enemy read your Bible to you, he will tell you that the truth is information. You will read that scripture and you will say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I just need to memorize my Bible, right? I just need to memorize all the scriptures. And if I just memorize the scriptures and when something bad happens, I just start quoting the scriptures and just throwing them out there in the atmosphere, then voila, everything's going to be better, right? That's not Christianity. That's called humanism, right? And the reason why it's called humanism is because it involves your will and your memorization and you're trying really hard. And I know that I'm in the Midwest and this is a hard working, try hard, do your best, tough part of the country. And, and that is celebrated here. But you can't try hard at this. This involves surrender. I know atheists that know all the scriptures. They have all the information. And ever talk to an atheist? They know their Bible better than you. <laughs> but John 14, verse 6 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Guys, truth isn't information. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. If you're a Christian and Jesus is Lord of your life, then you know truth. You know truth. Point number two is this. The way we tear down strongholds is hearing God. The way we tear down strongholds is by hearing God's voice. I need you guys to get on board with me this year. God speaks. God speaks. He's still speaking. There's never a time that God is not speaking. The problem is the people who have the worst things to say are always the loudest. Just look at your social media feed. So the enemy is loud. Ah, you suck. You're the worst father. You're the worst husband. You're the worst wife. You're a loser. And God's over here like, I love you. You're amazing. You're mine. You're adopted. It's a still, small voice. Romans 10, 17 says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Guys, hearing by the word of God is so much more than reading scripture. Now, we test everything that we hear by scripture, but it's more than reading scripture. We must develop a way to hear God's voice. Come on, when God spoke to Abraham, there was no Bible. When God spoke to Moses, there was no Bible. God speaks. We don't grow our faith by trying hard. We grow our faith by hearing God. I got a quote here about, from Jack Hayford. It says this. You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Anybody ever heard that? You can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. I'm going to break that down. The flesh meaning ourselves, maybe our soul, poor choices and deception. We can't cast those things out. You guys follow? We can't cast those things out. That's where discipleship comes along, right? Um, and discipleship won't help someone who is demon-possessed or oppressed. They need deliverance. Watch this. A stronghold is not demonic oppression. This should be good news. A stronghold is not demonic 
oppression. It's simply us in agreement with a lie. Guys, spiritual warfare is the only war that we win by surrendering. The enemy is loud, but the Lord speaks in a still, small voice. Before we do this activation real quick, I wonder what kind of stronghold COVID has created in us. Maybe it's hard for you to imagine a future or even plan for your future because of the great disruption that was 2020. I wonder how much of a stronghold that is creating us. I wonder how much we bump up against something when we try to plan for the future or we try to see a future for ourselves or for our kids because of this great disruption. This year, as we do New Year, New You, instead of um, attacking that stronghold, can we throw that up there one more time? Instead of attacking that stronghold at the defense level, right, the event, the belief, the defense, the reaction. God has given you a spirit of self-control. And so we're going to use that self-control to not attack our poor behaviors, but to understand the lie that we're believing that makes the poor behavior happen. Amen? I'm going to have everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. We're ready to tear down some lies. Who's ready to tear down some lies? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord to show you a traumatic or negative event that's happened in your life. And maybe if you're unwilling or can't go there right now with God, maybe you can start one step further in the the stronghold and say, hey, show me a defense or a comfort. Something I'm doing that's covering up some pain. Can you show me that, Lord? See, I thought it was just something fun to do, but that's actually, that's actually something I'm doing to avoid pain. Would you let the Lord highlight that for you? because I don't want to go too fast through this. Just, if God has shown you something, a lie, a comfort, or a defense, that is another Lord, would you just slip your hand up real quick? If God has shown you something, amen. 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 You can put your hands down. You see the weapons, eyes still close. The weapons we have are powerful through God. So what we do is we take every thought captive to obey Christ. This year, instead of suppressing something or ruminating on it, let's invite God to show us the truth. Now, to yourself, in your head, or quietly out loud, Ask him to replace that lie with the truth.
see some smiles out there. I see some freedom happening out there. Can I tell you something? That when God speaks, he speaks reality. Whatever he says is. So if he says peace, you don't have to try hard to receive it. It just is peace. You become peace. If he says forgiveness, you just forgive. Whatever he says is, he speaks reality. Now, if we believed a lie, we've sinned against God. So this is very simple. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So just tell God right now, I confess to believe in a lie. And I repent. So many of us deal with stuff for so long, even as believers. You can keep your eyes closed or you can look up. It's up to you. You have your moment with God. But so many of us deal with stuff for so long as as believers. Like God can't do something in the blink of an eye. In the book of John, Jesus does his first miracle. He turns water into wine. But not just any wine, the best wine, the very best wine anybody has ever had in their life. How long does it take to make good wine? Years, right? 20 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old. It takes years to make the very, very best wine. But Jesus turned water into wine with a word. Well, if Jesus can turn water into wine with a quick word, then how come he can't tear down your stronghold right now with one word of truth and your life be forever changed? Thank you, God, for telling us truth. Thank you for replacing lies with your truth. We renounce the lies and commit to walk in your truth forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Sunday service. If we can serve you in any way, please visit our website at citychurchotr.com. If you want to be a part of what God is doing in Cincinnati, you can support us financially. Giving can also be done on our website at citychurchotr.com slash give.